Hello, and welcome to Pod Rocket. Um, I'm Kate, the producer of Pod Rocket, and with us today is Dylan Piercy, the platform engineer at eBay and a core team member of Marco. Hi, Dylan. How are you doing? I'm doing really good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for being here. Um, so yeah, if you could just tell us uh, a little about, about Marco and kind of what it is. Right. Awesome. So I mean, Marco is another one of these uh, reactive front-end frameworks. There's obviously a ton of them going around, but I think Marco is interesting in a lot of ways and underrated in a lot of other ways. And I think the the main reason for that is Marco is kind of designed for a different type of application um, than a lot of modern frameworks have been built to address. Like most modern frameworks are built around the SPA architecture, right? Single page applications. Um, whereas Marco has kind of been built uh, looking at things from a multi-page app architecture where you're trying to essentially do as much as you can on the server and uh, have it pick up in the browser with as minimal JavaScript as possible, which coming from e-commerce probably makes a lot of sense. Um, but that's really what separates it. From the beginning, we've been trying to optimize for that use case. Um, and although it kind of gives, in a lot of ways, the DX of a single-page app framework, it does have the performance of you know sending a sprinkling of JavaScript to the browser. Um, I can go into a little bit about how that works and like the techniques that we use and sort of why that's um, been set up that way. Uh, where do you guys want to take it? Um, yeah, I guess I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of curious. Like when we're, when we're talking about companies that are looking at you know single page apps versus like multi page I don't know traditional apps. What um, like you know w would you ever say that a, an organization should maybe consider not doing a single page app for any reason? Yeah, um, so, and I think this is actually a really interesting point. Like a lot of people look at MPAs and think, yeah, that's a traditional app, the traditional way that you do things. But I mean, if you think back to these semi-traditional sites where you're just sending it like a, you know, a script that in, like, you know, grab some elements on the page and add some interactivity and stuff like that, you're not really working with these declarative frameworks. You're having to go in and write a whole bunch of imper imperative code, and it's often quite a mess uh, to maintain. So Marco is really set up to make it so that you can write things in a declarative way while still giving you, as close as we can, uh, the ability to send just the minimal um, amount of JavaScript. And so where this really uh, makes a lot of sense is for um, really content-driven sites. And e-commerce is a, uh, you know, a big part of that is essentially the question is, do you want to get some content to your user as quickly as possible, right? And then if you step back from that, um, I think it's, you know, becoming increasingly uh, more obvious that one of the ways to do that is to do server-side rendering and send the HTML to the browser in a way that, you know, the browser can just receive that HTML and show content immediately to the user without having to wait for um, all these assets to download in JavaScript to hydrate the page and all that stuff. Um, and another uh, core principle of Marco is to take advantage of uh, streaming. So like, if you imagine, you know, an e-commerce setup, you've got presumably like some static content on the page that you want to show like the eBay header, for example, and like, you know, then you've got all of this dynamic stuff that's going to be coming from um, some service to load the item data and stuff like that. Now, contacting that service is obviously going to take some time, but we want to send content to the user as quickly as possible. So Marco takes advantage of streaming so that we can flush out uh, things like the header, the footer and all that stuff immediately. And that gives the user the advantage of being able to download uh, you know, a few images. It can they can download the scripts and everything actually starts earlier. And then once the content comes in, we can flush it out um, as it's available. So streaming is really huge for that use case as well. Um, and then another thing, like I kind of mentioned at the beginning, is 
if you're having the server essentially do some amount of the work, presumably the browser doesn't need to redo all of that work, right? Like essentially the server rendered the page and now we want to say, you know, when you add, when you click this button, add something to the cart or something like that, show some animation and, and so on. But what most frameworks do is they say, okay, the server, you know, did this rendering of the code and now the browser is going to do the exact same rendering from top to bottom and hydrate the page. And that takes time as well, right? And not only does it take time to actually execute that, it takes time to download all of the code to effectively re-render the whole application again. So Marco does not do that. Marco looks at your application, determines where the top-level interactive components are, and just sends those to the browser. Gotcha, gotcha. So if you're <clears throat> you know, in a traditional organization, I guess just to kind of help us frame where Marco fits in into the stack, like, is Marco really... Uh, just like another framework that devs would reach for akin akin to like Angular React View? Um, or is there, does it, does it try to try to take a little bit broader of a, of a slice? Cause there's a, like a server component happening as well. Right. Yeah. Um, so Marco kind of necessarily needs to take more control over your application than a lot of these other frameworks, because we want to have, you know, from, the server to the browser, we want to have full control over that experience and be able to determine, you know, what assets get sent to the browser. So Marco actually has to have deep integrations with bundlers and, and stuff like that so that we can know, like, you know, okay, we've analyzed that we only need these components in the browser. Let's tell the bundler to bundle just these components and stuff like that. So from the beginning, uh, Marco, you know, has had a, a high focus on, you know, optimizing across the stack, um, which means that we need to touch more of your tools. And eBay actually has another tool that we've uh, produced, but we're not pushing as heavily anymore, which is Lasso, which is uh, uh, kind of like a competitor to you know Webpack, Beat, and so on. I was also kind of built with this mentality, um, but it hasn't really been kept up in terms of uh, features and stuff like that. But yeah, so if you're choosing Marco, really you're looking to optimize you know a server rendered or a statically static site generated page, um, which is like across the stack. Marco is going to determine what needs to be sent to the browser um, versus you know a traditional. I say traditional, but you know, a modern framework, they're going to be typically relying on some form of client rendering. Um, and they're usually optimized for that specific piece. Some will compile to different code in the browser to at least be optimized on the rendering side of things. But I don't think there are very few that are actually um, set up to optimize for the whole experience. But there are um, new tools that are coming out that are doing that. So yeah, that's really cool to see. Um, new tools like, you know, you've probably seen Astro. Um, gaining popularity as well. And so Astro does, uh, you know, basically sets you up such that you can build a static site or a statically generated site that is optimized similar to Marco. You essentially say, you know, I've got these components on the page. This one is interactive when we scroll to it and so on. Um, and there's also Isles, which is kind of similar and Slinkity. And these tools are really built for static sites because if you think of a static site, it's a lot like server rendering, except that it's cached, right? Um, Essentially, you know, you build some HTML, that HTML is already there, uh, stuff's already been rendered. How do we make that already rendered HTML interactive? Um, and hopefully that doesn't mean we're going to have to do everything again in the browser, which is what most frameworks do. Um, another one that's cool um, is obviously Quick, um, which uh, is kind of a totally different approach. And their strategy is to essentially lazy load everything. Um, so uh, whenever you do an interaction, like click a button, they're going to load whatever JavaScript's required to facilitate that um, interaction, which is a totally different way of looking at it as well. So there's lots of cool stuff happening in this space now, but Marco's niche 
is really server rendered applications that send as little JavaScript and uh, as as performant as possible. Gotcha. Yeah. No. Thank you for that breakdown again, because I, I feel like it's it uh, quickly gets confusing because there's like so many so many tools in this space that are trying to kind of slice that that stack differently. I think a big delineation right now that I'm I'm not even clear on is in in Marco. So say so say I've got a traditional app where like a like a web like a store right like I'm doing an e-commerce site. I've got like my static files. I'm serving them either server side rendered or like just as you know it's like static assets. And then I'm requesting all of the actual like store data via an API like asynchronously after that initial page load. Does Marco like have an interest in doing that kind of data? data fetching on the server side and then like sending that down as well? Or is that not really in the that preview? Is, that is actually a really interesting question. Um, so I think our focus is really like, while you're rendering the HTML, that's probably when you want to be thinking about fetching the data. And you probably want that to happen on the server side, especially depending on how your stack is set up. Because if you're you know imagining that you're contacting several services and they're responding with maybe an excess ma- amount of data, usually the HTML that you send down, the final form of it uh, contains like a subset of the data that would otherwise have had to been downloaded to the browser. So we try and push that kind of stuff um, to the server. Whereas if you think about doing like, you know, an Ajax request to say, give me the new items and stuff like that, that kind of necessitates that you're um, doing all of this client side rendering in the browser, which means you did have to send all the JavaScript to that. It is something that um, we are going to be focusing on is how we can kind of keep stuff on the server while still allowing these like kind of full page transitions um, going into sort of the tr- tr- new transitional app uh, world. Right, right. Um, but that isn't our focus right now. Right now it's, you know, multi-page apps, you load stuff as it's rendering, um, and then you add sprinkling, uh, a sprinkling of interactivity sort of where it makes sense. Gotcha, got it. Okay, yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah, because I feel like, you know, like um, that that other problem, the problem of like, I've got a bunch of data I'm pulling from an API or whatever is is what is the kind of space that tools like, you know, Gatsby, um, like even Next and Nuxt are kind of getting into that space a little bit mm-hmm. more. Yeah, so I was, I was curious. So when devs are kind of looking at those tools, should they be thinking about Marco in the same way? Or is it more just like, you know, we can really do good server-side rendering of those first initial... Like yeah, the first initial so, load yeah so it's mostly the first initial load of the page. Um, gotcha, gotcha. Yes. Cool, cool. That makes sense. Yeah, I gotta, I'm just, just trying to get the yeah, groundwork sure. laid out a little bit here. Um, yeah, so what was the, um, I guess, maybe for people that even have kind of less context here, can, can we go a little bit into, like, when we're talking about hydration, partial hydration, the, the traditional frameworks needing to do that top down to get, like, the whole the whole trunk loaded what that means and why that might matter. Yeah. So, I mean, if you think about it, you know, from the perspective of server-side rendering or static site generation, like I said, you have some amount of HTML that was rendered at some point, be it build time or on the fly, right? And so you've got this HTML that was rendered by a server, but it's not interactive at all. You need to go and, you know, attach event handlers and all the stuff that you can only really do um, in the browser. And that's what hydration is typically referred to as. But the problem is that, most frameworks are set up such that essentially to render anything or get these event handlers and all that stuff, get the effects and whatnot, you have to render the whole application. Um, and then basically, you know, if it's a VDOM, it's going to do a diff to attach those event handlers lazily um, and stuff like that. But I mean, like I said, kind of at the beginning, 
if you think about it, the server has already done so much work and presumably there aren't event handlers throughout your entire page, right? Like there's a lot of static content. And so what happens is you're, when you're hydrating in the browser, essentially this framework is rendering a whole bunch of static stuff that was already done by the server, which is, you know, harmful in kind of two ways. Like one, it's just wasted CPU cycles. So depending on your de uh, the device's performance, um, you, you know, I've heard of stories where hydration itself, just the actual CPU intensive part of it can take like five seconds. That's five seconds where the user can't do anything on the page, right? Like they're clicking buttons and nothing's happening. So that's pretty bad. The other side of it is obviously, you know, uh, all of this stuff has been done by the server and we're redoing it in the browser, which means we need all of the code to redo it in the browser. If you were using, for example, like moment.js or something that's, you know, a larger library. And if in Marco, if you only use that on the server side components, we just don't send moment to the browser, right? So that's like a huge savings that you get. Um, whereas if it's a, a single page app framework, especially if they're doing top down rendering, you're getting everything, right? And that's one of the main, main downsides to it. That's why, uh, especially looking at e-commerce, it's like not even actionable. Like you've increased the amount of JavaScript that you're sending exponentially. Um, and you increase the amount of time that it takes to initialize that JavaScript. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes sense. So, um, yeah, when we're, when we're talking about like JavaScript bytes being expensive on the wired, like, do you guys, um, I guess when you were thinking about this and, and Marco, you know, was being rolled out, you were, you were considering what mattered, How, like, was there, was there data gathering happening that was kind of driving, you know, the, the, the frameworks yeah. architecture itself? A absolutely. Cause I mean, for eBay, essentially before, uh, 2013, it was primarily a Java shop, right? Um, so they were using JSPs and then they had essentially adding sprinkling of interactivity through jQuery and stuff like that. Now jQuery is a little bit large, but it's not like you're sending the entire application to the browser, essentially like uh, some of these frameworks do. So in early benchmarks, like it was immediately obvious that this like whole page hydration strategy was going to be sending too much. And, you know, obviously for a company like eBay, every uh, you know, 100 milliseconds has a huge impact on our uh, GMB. Like it's basically a non-starter. So it's like, okay, well, we want to switch to Node.js because there's obviously obvious benefits to Node.js. What options do we have to still continue to send interactivity to the browser? Um, and so like, obviously, you know, the simplest one is just continue to use jQuery and, and stuff like that. But I've talked, you know, at the beginning uh, that that's an awful developer experience, right? Like you're having to write all this imperative glue code and it's just hard to manage. And so, you know, from the beginning, it was like, how can we make optimized server rendering that only sends, you know, a subset of the application? Um, and that's really what Marco is. Gotcha. Gotcha. Was there um, <clears throat> kind of other other frameworks at the time that were you were able to model things after or like what, what when was this when was this conversation right. happening? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of Marco's inspiration comes from React because, you know, in a lot of ways, React did bring this uh, much better developer experience to the user. So it's like, you know, how can we deliver that developer experience while also maintaining the benefits um, of, you know, being able to send minimal JavaScript? Like, why is this page so much larger? Why are we sending so much more stuff? Um, and then the other inspiration for Marco is just these server-side rendering uh, template languages in Node, like Dust and, you know, Jade and now Pug. Um, and, you know, obviously from the streaming side of things, we were looking kind of heavily at Dust. Like, essentially, when eBay was starting to go into um, Node.js world, and we're like, okay, streaming is super critical. We already know that. Um, and we know that we need to have a sprinkling of interactivity. What is a framework that supports streaming and nodes so that we can at least use node? And at that time it was like, well, dust is an option, but I mean, you know, it's it's not the nicest language to write in. There's no easy way in dust to 
um, add this sprinkling of interactivity. And so that's why, uh, you know, at that time, it was like, okay, we need to, you know, make it easier to build an application that works the with the performance characteristics that we need. Right. Gotcha. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, with, with eBay, it, it seems like, you know, the, the story is pretty clear because you have this giant existing web app that's blown, like has all this traffic and you've got to maintain the performance that you had while also migrating, you know, to something that has a nicer developer experience. I guess for those for those devs out there, they're at smaller shops, they started with a React app or whatever, they've noticed some performance degradation over time. When do you think is the like a good time for them to start evaluating? You know, do we need to start or look at look at other options that might be more performant? Yeah, um, I mean, it's tricky because it's going to depend on the type of app, right? Like if you've got uh, like some apps just don't work in a, in a multi-page app world. And I think, you know, Rich Harris recently had a talk where he's like, you know, if you want to have a, um, a video player or, uh, you know, uh, an audio player that's consistent across page navigations, like you can't do that with an MPA. And that's true. Um, so you kind of have to look at the experience that you're building and see if that experience is sort of set up to be able to be in a lot of ways progressively enhanced or, you know, a sprinkling of interactivity, that kind of thing. If that model already makes sense for the type of thing that you're building, then you're just leaving performance on the table. So, you know, if you already know that's what you're going to build, then um, going down the path of Marco or some of these other tools um, can make a lot of sense. So it's really, you know, right now, and this is the hard part, it's tied to what kind of app you're building, right? Like everyone wants a one size fits all. How do we get to the, like right now, the race is to the middle. How do we get these transitional apps where you get the performance benefits of MPAs and the uh, developer experience of SPAs. Um, and that's really been Marco's focus from the beginning to an extent. Like obviously we're hyper trying to optimize MPAs, but we're trying to give the SPA like developer experience. And uh, that's something we're, we're pushing into even more. And I could talk a little bit about it, but uh, that's not, that's, it's like semi far future. Like we're talking like a year away, but I do think the mo like one of the most interesting things that's gonna happen in the next like couple years is this push to the middle transitional apps that actually maintain good performance in, in both scenarios. So I, I do think there will be frameworks that's like, yeah, you can just pick this and it's gonna be good for both types of applications. Um, that is what excites me most about uh, the current era of web development is we might finally get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I think I think we can we can dig in a little bit. So currently, like, like say I we're, we're building an app that had a persistent uh, audio player, I think was your example just now, like, it's like a SoundCloud like or something, right? I go I'll click on the, like, would it be possible to build something like that with Marco currently? Or is it like, just not or doesn't really fit the paradigm at all? It is totally possible. Um, so Marco, you know, does full client side rendering, you can essentially say, okay, at the root, I'm going to set up a client side router, and you can do all of that stuff. And it would work very similar, like top down hydration, similar to other frameworks. So it's definitely possible. It's just that's not leveraging Marco's strengths. Sure. And really, Marco's strengths, like I said, come from knowing that the server did some work, how do we continue from it? And so that's what we want to um, continue to be able to optimize in. And we're kind of doing it in two ways um, in the, the next version of Marco. One way um, that I like to get into a little bit is we're instead of looking at things from like a component by component basis, this concept of partial hydration, like only sending the components that have interactivity to the browser, we want to do things in a, a much more fine grained way. Because what we've seen at eBay and like in general, people using Marco um, is you've got this component that, you know, has a little bit of interactivity in it, but still the vast majority of the component is unnecessary to send to the browser. It might have like a huge SVG in there. It might have um, you know, a static button in there. It might like all this stuff 
that's still static. That is still, so it's not a, the perfect world of we're just doing what is necessary in the browser. So one of the things that we're doing um, in Marco 6 is essentially breaking things up in a super fine-grained way so that we can load just the stuff that is reliant on uh, reactive data. So, you know, it, it's kind of like, you can think of it like hooks. Like essentially Marco is looking at, you know, where is your use states and how is that use state propagated through the program? And the place where the use state exists is where we know there's interactive parts. And so we'll just send those. Um, and then everything else can be uh, split. So that's that's one thing. We want to, you know, optimize that. Basically, that's taking MPAs to the, you know, the fullest performance potential. That's what we're trying to do. Um, and then, uh, so another thing that's a little bit further future is since we have this analysis to basically say like, these are the interactive parts, um, we actually want to do essentially the same thing on the server side. And this is what I think our answer is uh, for the transitional apps. So essentially what we want to do is the server, when you're rendering a top level uh, component, you know, you're passing in some input or props to that component and those props define you know, what is dynamic on the server. If you have uh, you know, these partially hydrated points, the part that needs to change whenever, the, whenever you would traditionally do a navigation is that top level input to the server. And so basically what our plan is, is to create a uh, router that works somewhat similar to React server components, where essentially whenever you do a navigation, it will ask the server, hey, send me just the expressions that depend on the top level input that also weren't sent to the browser. Um, and so conceptually, the way that it would work is like, if you had a, um, you know, imagine the user's name is printed in some header, but we only know the user's name on the server side, we don't want to bother fetching it in the client and, and all that stuff. Um, and you do a navigation, and maybe during that navigation, we want to validate that the user is still the same user. Um, so what would happen is we would do the navigation, we'd hit the server and say, hey, we want like partial content, only the, thing, the things that could change. And the server would be like, okay, is this the same page? All right, it's the same page. And so I know these are the dynamic things for this page that only the server handles. Um, and so I'll send you, you know, just the username and maybe just you know, a few other things. So that's what we see as the um, full sort of picture for transitional apps. And the one thing that's kind of interesting about it is essentially if you have nested routing as well, it makes it super easy to be like, okay, well, what is consistent between the pages? Right, so we know that the top level is always going to be consistent, but then these nested routers um, can also be independently consistent. And so the sort of end game is um, Marco will tell the server, "Hey, I'm rendering this route, this portion of the document. Is it the same as what you gave to me last time? If so, send me an update. If not, send me the HTML and I'll stream it in." Um, so that's kind of where we see it uh, going. And then in that case, like there is still going to be overhead for MPAs because essentially we have to send some markers to the browser to say, Hey, these are the parts that the server can update that you can't update, but we're not sending all of the JavaScript to rebuild the whole application in the browser. And whenever you do a navigation, we just say, Hey server, what's the new stuff that you, uh, the, the, the new dynamic stuff um, that you would send to me. Whereas react server components right now basically says, Hey server, give me all of the data, uh, all of the J or, uh, all of the VDOM again so that I can diff it, right? So it's like right, right. sending a whole bunch of stuff, whereas we want to have it be more fine-grained and send just the minimal amount of uh, content to the browser. Nice, nice. Yeah, that, that sounds super cool. And again, like to bring it back to the example of like a persistent audio player, then, yeah. it, then it's very easy. Like, well, everything else is like a sub route. That audio player sits there like in the outer wrapper component. Exactly. That never yeah, which changes. is exactly yeah. how you build it in a spa, right? <laughs> yeah, like you need yeah. to make sure that when that... Uh, that that page is re-rendered in a spa, that the route is still there, right? Because exactly. otherwise yeah. it would be diffed and removed and 
and so on. So you would essentially, and this is our goal, right? We want to make it so that you get this spa-like DX while maintaining this, the benefits of offloading as much as you can to the server, because offloading things to the server has huge benefits. Mm -hmm. um, and by server, I mean, you know, it could be a server, it could be statically generated, so on. Yeah, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. So, um, yeah, so like uh, the this this paradigm of 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 returning things to the server. Do you, do you think that in in general, say again, we're ta we're talking about apps for like somebody's built something out, they have literally just like static files that they're serving and then fetching all the data from the API. Are, is there a swath of developers that like don't even think about rendering the web like via servers, like, you know, right. in the old school style? Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, it's tricky. In some cases, those kind of experiences are going to make sense. Like, I'm not going to say that, you know, the ultimate transitional app is going to be the best for each case, but we want to have it be like pretty, pretty good um, for all for all cases. Um, yeah, client-side rendering is always going to have its place. And one of the things that's interesting, I think, about our approach is since we know and we're tracking the things that are derived from state and this like top-level input and all that stuff, we can you could you can do client-side rendering. Like if you wanted to fetch some data based off of some uh, client-side state, you can do that. And Marco would basically be like, oh yeah, that's derived from client-side state. Okay, well we'll do, we'll do client-side rendering for that. And so that's where I see um, you know it as the true transitional app in that you can kind of opt in. This is client-side rendering, but by default, it's server-side rendering. Gotcha, gotcha. Are like, um, when you're interacting with the community and like the user base, is there, is is, is the API that kind of makes the, that delineation pretty clear? Like, is that easy for users to work with and intuitive or do people often get kind of confused about As it stands that? right now, yeah. it, is, it is something that um, confuses people, especially when they're first getting in to Marco. So right now the heuristic um, in Marco uh, 5 is essentially you write this single file component and you can put a class body on there that gives you life cycles um, that you can work with in the browser. And so having that class there is what says this is a component that should be sent to the browser. Um, and so the thing is, a lot of people come at Marco and they're thinking of it from you know the spa-like mentality. So they put the class right at the top and try and do all this um, stuff at the top. And then you send the whole application down. And it's like, well, why isn't Marco doing you know what it said? And that's why, and that's why we think um, that this whole like sub template hydration and stuff is is really important because essentially instead of just putting this class at the top, you just put your state where it makes sense. And Marco's like, oh, this is the part that should render in the browser, right? So the developer doesn't really have to think about it. It's just if they write something using state, that is going to cause client side updates in a fine grained, reactive way, and only send the code to do those specific updates. Gotcha. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. I guess yeah. That kind of that kind of leads me to this other question. And this thing I've been thinking about abstractly recently is like, I feel like I feel like the, you know, like a, a, a simple React app is very conceptually easy to grasp for a new dev. I feel like kind of ha having to think about, um, <clears throat> you know, like server side rendering or doing like pre rendering or pre compilation and like having to bring all that into the purview of a new web developer seems like a, like a large ask, right? Do you guys? I agree. Like, yeah. Do you think that that's a fair thing to be kind of asking new web dev? Like, would you, would you point, you know, uh, someone you're mentoring and be like, hey, figure out Marco as your first kind of front-end framework? Or do you think that that is yeah. maybe not the best, the best? Well, I think the heuristics in Marco right now, like I said, they can trip people up, but it is like a fairly simple heuristic. And once you get the mental model down um, that it is different, it's, you know, you can um, do, do pretty well there. Um, sure. But having said that, like, yeah, it isn't something that we want people to think about. That's the whole 
point, right? We want this to look like you're writing a declarative front-end framework where things can just update whenever you want and all that stuff. And that's really yeah. our goal. Um, right now, it's not as fine-grained as we would like, um, but you know, next version of Marco, we think it's going to be a lot better and you're going to notice it a lot less. You're just going to be like, oh, wow, in, you know, in this Marco app, it sent zero KB of JavaScript or like six KB of JavaScript versus yeah. the 200 or you know 300 that is the baseline for some setups, right? Yeah, for sure. Is there like when, when we're talking about the performance, like or I guess even even the size of the files you're loading? I feel like a lot of devs also don't even have visibility to that. Like when they go, they do create React app and do their thing yeah. and don't even like think about the size of yes. their. Is there a way that you guys in in your development cycle internally or just when you're talking about Marco or doing performance checks. Is there something you do as part of that dev cycle to kind of keep an eye on that? And yeah, on so it? I mean, obviously we're looking at um, bundle sizes and, you know, we've got performance monitoring um, all the time, but like during development, really, if you're building a Marco app, what you're trying to do is move the um, essentially the stateful logic, the interactivity as low in the tree as possible, because you want to let the server do as much of the work um, as you can. And so that is definitely something you have to have in the back of your mind while you're building a current uh, Marco application. Um, but like I said, that's why when you're evaluating, should you use Marco, you should look at it from the perspective of, is this a site where I know I'm going to be adding sprinklings of interactivity? Maybe, you know, when I say sprinkling of interactivity, you can still have, you know, this section is purely client rendered and it's shuffling things around, it's doing anime, like, you know, you can do quite a lot. But um, if the majority of your application is going to be set up that way, that you're adding things and you're fine with the... Uh, page level navigations for everything else, then Marco is a great fit. Um, but if you need, currently, if you need um, something where you're going to be doing transitions across pages and you want that to you know, animate or you want to persist things, like Marco does not currently do that. Yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and again, I, I'm, not, I'm not like trying to bring these things up as like, oh, oh yeah. this is a big scary reason. But I, I do feel like this is a hard problem. And especially when I'm talking to people who aren't familiar with web dev or they are kind of mm -hmm. on the fringes, it's just like, oh, there's this whole other space that we're like, I agree. Spending a bunch and, of energy and, on. And this yeah. is why I think uh, Marco in many ways is really underrated because it is super optimized for this specific case. And this case is a valid case in web development. Like there is a lot of content driven sites out there that you want to add interactivity to. But the thing is, most of the focus right now has been like, how can we build apps in the browser? Um, right. And so since that's been the huge focus, the ecosystem around Marco and this kind of architecture is kind of sparse. Um, and that's part of the reason why we believe that, um, you know, Marco's adoption hasn't been as much as other frameworks. Having said that, uh, I do think that we are rounding the corner in terms of creating, you know, a transitional app where someone could be like, I'm using Marco, it's an SPA, but it's taking full advantage of, you know, doing the work somewhere else and the dead code elimination and, and all of that stuff. Um, so that's where we want to be. Uh, we want to be at a, a point, like you said, where you're not thinking about this stuff. Right now, you do have to think about it a little bit. And especially when you're designing, deciding what architecture makes sense for the type of application that you're building. Um, but uh, yeah, we hope to alleviate that uh, moving forward. Gotcha. Yeah, it makes <clears throat> it makes sense that you guys are thinking about it. And yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear you're kind of approaching it with that same uh, empathy, yeah. I guess. I, yeah. I will say, so I've said this before. Um, one of the things is I feel Marco is kind of uniquely positioned to tackle this transitional app setup because one of the things you need to have like a performant transitional app is to be able to continue from where the server right. left off right and that's been our mm -hmm. focus sort of from the beginning um and so the question for us is you know how do we uh take this thing that's already split up in a million different ways to send only what's necessary to the browser and then pick up off of that in a way that doesn't require sending everything to the browser uh, which i think 
know, as I described before, we can uh, also analyze our way out of and build a uh, performance solution that um, continues to work even with the spa-like mentality. Gotcha. Yeah, I guess on that front, um, is like, have you seen instances or are there people that are, you know, they have like a traditional React app right now and they want to transition to Marco. Can they can they do those at the same time? Can you run, like have React running inside of a Marco app? Uh, yeah, you, I mean, you definitely can. It's not, um, you know, the easiest thing ever, but you can, you know, use React's client-side render APIs or server-side render APIs and swap it out. The thing that you typically sure. lose when you're trying to merge frameworks together is the uh, transclusion of content. So like if you've got body content that you're trying to pass through, like this is Marco content, it's not going to make sense in React world. So there is some stuff there. But if you design your APIs in certain ways, you can get around those kinds of things. I will say that uh, by its nature, React isn't really a good setup for the niche that Marco has uh, put itself in because you're bringing you know, an S- a huge amount of JavaScript unnecessarily and uh, the server-side rendering isn't quite where we'd like to see it and all that stuff. So maybe picking something like Preact or um, something like that if you wanted to migrate and use Marco um, would be better. Uh, but yeah, there's nothing technically stopping you from doing that. Yeah, I guess I, I, I was more asking, like, again, say you have a React app, you realize right. the, the, the form, the shape of your app is a good, a better one for something with more like server-side rendering. Like, oh, right. we, we yeah. should switch to Marco or something. Yeah, you can definitely do it in a um, in a piecemeal kind of way. Um, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, yeah, let me think here. I guess I'm I'm kind of curious on your personal history and how, how you how you found yourself in this space, like working on the framework at eBay. Can you tell yeah. a little bit of that of that story? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I've been programming for quite a while since I was like 12 years old, building like little websites for various games I was playing <laughs> and so on. Nice. Um, but uh, basically my second job out of college, I was just hammering out websites. Like it was a, um, a an agency that just, you know, made websites for other various different customers. And those websites, you know, varied from, Heavy, heavy content sites to actual spa-like applications with lots of rich, rich interactivity and stuff like that. Um, but at the time when I was doing it, their React router didn't even exist at that point. Um, but I was using React and you know, it, it, the DX was great. And so I wanted to go down that path, but I knew that server-side rendering was going to be really important for some of the experiences that I was building. SEO was going to be important and so on. So I wanted to make sure that that was thought of. So I went and built essentially this framework that was a router, um, but it allowed you to do server-side routing and client-side routing. And it also handled um, uh, form submissions and stuff like that. So you could do progressive enhancement really easily uh, with it. So that got me down that path, um, but I was I was using React. I mean, it was sending all of the JavaScript for all like the whole application. And since I was doing progressive enhancement, it was still pretty good. Like you could interact with the page before the JavaScript loaded and all that stuff. But like, it was it was pretty clear that for some of these experiences, I was sending way too much JavaScript. And so that's kind of what uh, brought me down the path of looking into Marco and realizing that it really was just like a different conceptual way of building websites, but it still had that good DX. And so um, my work on the router ultimately got me in contact with uh, some of the other Marco core team members. And that's uh, what got me on the team. Oh, nice. Very cool. So, so you're just like, were you, you know, like contributing and, and figuring it out and stuff? And then they were eventually like, hey, we're all embedded here. You should come join us. Yeah, pretty much. And the, I mean, the sad thing of it is, like, I realized my router, because it was, you know, conceptually a top-down, send everything to the browser model, it was <laughs> never going to make sense for Marco anyways. Um, gotcha. But I, I am, I'm excited for where we're going in terms of routing and all that stuff like I talked about earlier. I do think that is, like, the ultimate solution. I mean, nothing's ever the ultimate solution, but, you know, it's a good step in the direction of having these uh, transitional apps. And I wish I had it back then. <laughs> 
Nice, nice. So, so was was eBay like already basically using Marco for everything at the at the point when you came aboard? Is that that is correct? That yes. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. So, is the like you know are are you guys fielding questions for the dev teams and stuff internally, like the yeah. in house? Yeah, a big part of our our job is you know continuing to work on Marco. We're actually a part of the Web Foundations team at eBay, so we maintain Marco and a whole bunch of um, internal and external. Uh, modules, and then we also do support for these teams um, as well that are using our uh, products, which is really good because we get you know really tight feedback. Like if someone doesn't like something about Marco, um, you know we hear it pretty quick. We we're we're getting you know bugs fixed super fast. The turnaround because we've got you know direct lines of communication with all these people. It's nice to be able to to work on this framework in open source, but then have these people like picking it up right away. Right. Gotcha. So. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Are, the, are is that is that communication typically like bubbling out through? like the open source channels or is there kind of sadly no and that's something yeah yeah, sadly no and that's probably something that could improve because like you know a lot of the communication around marco happens internally and you know marco was kind of super integrated with a lot of internal tools um and so we didn't have necessarily those same tools available in the open source community which is uh kind of unfortunate so we wanted to better embrace um these new technologies that are coming out like we've you know got integrations with uh, Vite and we're, you know, got a prettier plugin and we're trying to actually integrate with tools that eBay isn't necessarily using right away and then trying to push adoption, um, in eBay as well, uh, versus just building a framework for Marco or sorry, uh, a framework for eBay. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> is there any, like, is that ever, is prioritization ever, ever tricky? Cause like, you know, resources are limited. How do you guys decide, you know, like, oh, we'll build some integration that we really have no internal use for, but we'll be you know, good for the health of the framework. Yeah, it is tricky. And I think the the reality is like, if there is outside interest in, in, in some integration, why isn't there inside interest as well? Like maybe we <laughs> haven't done um, enough education internally, or maybe we have, maybe it does, maybe it just doesn't fit with Marco. And, it, and that's a fair thing. Like some, some integrations just aren't going to work with Marco. Um, uh, and so, you know, we'll right. consider that. But in a lot of cases, it's like, yeah, there's cool stuff out there. Why isn't eBay using it? So our team is also trying to push eBay to to use uh, more modern and open source technologies and expand in that way. Nice, nice, very cool. Did you ever see yourself kind of in a, in a position like this, like working on an open source project inside of a large company? Like, was that a weird, you know, place um, to find yourself? Uh, a little bit. I mean, like I said, I mostly just like what am I trying to build? How can I make this as performant as possible? And, oh, okay, it turns out that you can't do this in a way that's nice. So I'm going to build tools until I can make it, (laughs) you know, an approximation of nice. So that's what I've kind of always been doing since I started um, development. So to be able to work on a framework, especially one that is like, in many ways, fundamentally different than others and has unique problems that it's trying to solve, I think is super interesting. And yeah, so I'm I'm definitely happy to be working on what I'm working on. Nice, nice, very cool. I guess, I guess, with that, is there anything in particular kind of, you know, coming up with Marco or just like related tools that you're excited about that we haven't already covered that you want to want to plug chat about a little bit? Yeah, I mean, so we've um, sort of recently uh, uh, put out a Vite and Cloudflare example for Marco. We think deploying Marco to the edge is, is super awesome. Like, you know, to be able to have this streaming server side rendering happen at the edge is great. So that's um, something we've recently done. Obviously, we've got coming uh, Marco 6 and these things that I talked about. Another thing that we want to sort of um, explore more and add support for is the ability to say, like, okay, I've got this section of code that I want to hydrate in a fine-grained way. 
But right now we don't give you the ability to say when that is. It's just like as soon as it loads, right? And so we want to sort of like Astro be able to say like, yeah, this section's gonna be chunked up in a fine-grained way, but we want to load it when the user scrolls to it and stuff like that. So that's another thing that's coming. And actually, um, a thing that we want to get uh, done this year that um, in many ways is one of the major complaints uh, against Marco is since Marco is a language, we have to like do integrations with various different tools like TypeScript, ESLint, and so on. And we don't currently have TypeScript or ESLint support in the actual templates. Um, you can write Marco in like a multi-file format, so you can you know write your TypeScript over in a different component JS, but your template logic wouldn't have the TypeScript completions and stuff like that. So that is another thing that we want to um, address here fairly soon. Gotcha. Nice, nice. And just yeah, so 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 you can't you're saying you you can like write your Marco files with TypeScript, but you're saying you don't have like support through the framework for that. Is that well? Accurate? So Marco is actually a language, which actually comes a little bit back to the like the developer experience side of it. Like we gotcha, want to make gotcha, it really gotcha. easy to like it's HTML first, and then our, essentially we have a custom parser and we sort of enhance HTML to be able to represent a whole bunch of things like render props and like passing uh, complex data and like all that stuff and. Uh, yeah, so in a, in a lot of ways, Marco is, um, I would say, has a really good DX in terms of its language. But because it is a language, you know, it requires us to do all this additional effort to actually support um, integrating with other tools, which is something oh, we're doing better. Yeah. Like, you know, like I said, we came out with the Prettier plugin um, nice. semi-recently and stuff like that. So that's something we're uh, focusing on. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Again, I, I, yeah, I, I set up a Hello World in prep, but I hadn't thought of the extra load for you guys and like, oh, yeah, this is like you know, a separate extension. Like there's no... Right, yeah. Yeah, right, right. That's yeah, big. compared to other frameworks, I would say Marco has probably one of the most complex uh, languages. Like there's a lot that's supported um, in Marco. And there's a lot of nice things too. Like, you know, Marco, the tags, you don't have to actually be like import, whatever. It automatically finds the tags. It's been like that from the beginning. With mm -hmm. the attributes, you don't have to actually quote your attributes. Like basically the Marco syntax is you have attribute equals and then JavaScript expressions. So it's not just HTML. It's... JavaScript expressions where it makes sense. Yeah, nice. And then you've also got the ability to represent a whole bunch of other things. But um, so we've been trying to, um, and we've got an article out that's our tags API uh, preview that puts more into the language so that you can represent pretty much everything um, in the language, which I think is really cool. And language, des language design is a big part of what makes Marco Marco. It's just not, it's like main selling feature. But again, <laughs> gotcha. DX is always in the back of our minds. So um, having control over that templating experience is important to us too. Nice, nice. Yeah, very cool. Um, yeah, man, I, f I feel like we've covered a lot. Kate, is there anything else you wanted to jump in with here? Um, yeah, thanks for joining us. And uh, I mean, where can our where do you want to point our listeners? Where can they find you? Um, that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, definitely. If anyone wants to check out the Marco Discord, uh, we're always hanging out um, there. Uh, most of us on the Marco team are also active in the Solid Discord, so you could jump over there too. Um, and then, you know, obviously on Twitter, we've got the at Marco dev team uh, handle and I'm at Dylan underscore Piercy there. So if you could uh, check out what we're posting there. Um, yeah. Awesome. And yeah, we'll include those links in the show notes. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Pod Rocket. Find us at pod rocket pod on twitter or you could always email me even though that's not a popular option it's brian at log rocket <laughs>